From TLDR News, this is your daily briefing for Tuesday the 31st of January 2023. Good afternoon. In today's Spotlight story, we run through the policies of the Turkish opposition. This isn't the only thing happening in the world though, so we'll run through three of today's other important stories. And in our exclusive Nebula section, I sit down with Rory and discuss new data on Brexit regret. But first, what are the plans for the Turkish opposition? The nation of Turkey will go to the polls on May the 14th for hugely consequential parliamentary and presidential elections that will be closely watched in Turkey and around the world. The big question on the minds of the observers is, after two decades of political dominance, can President Erdogan be defeated? Well, the Turkish opposition certainly hopes so, and they're working to make sure it happens. On Monday, a coalition of six Turkish opposition parties, known as the Nation Alliance or the Table of Six, unveiled a 240-page post-election programme that would reverse much of Erdogan's consolidation of power. The deputy head of the main opposition Republican People's Party, or CHP, said, We will shift to a strengthened parliamentary system for a strong, liberal, democratic and just system, in which the separation of powers is established. As well as the CHP, the opposition alliance includes the Good Party, Felicity Party, Democrat Party, Democracy in Progress Party and Future Party. They say they will put an end to the president's power to issue decrees, would limit the president to a single seven-year term, reduce the vote threshold to 3% for parties to secure seats in parliament, re-establish the role of the prime minister, who would be accountable to parliament, and a whole lot more. On foreign policy, the opposition pledged to work towards European Union membership, restore ties with the US based on mutual trust, and maintain relations with Russia through balanced and constructive dialogue. But while a plan for governing is obviously important, the six-party opposition alliance still needs to choose a joint presidential candidate to challenge President Erdogan. An advisor to the leader of the main opposition party said last week that the unified presidential candidacy will probably be declared sometime in February. Head-to-head polling suggests that Erdogan would lose to some of the possible opposition candidates, but obviously nothing should be taken for granted. The opposition has said that Turkey is experiencing one of the most serious administrative and economic crises in the Republic's 100-year history, and that Erdogan's governance amounts to one-man rule. These factors obviously count against Erdogan, but he may be able to rally support for his government using events happening abroad. For example, the recent anti-Turkey protest in Sweden, which, among other things, involved a far-right Danish-Swedish politician burning a Koran. So all eyes will be on whoever the opposition chooses their candidate. We'll be sure to keep you updated. Okay, so that's the biggest story of the day. But there's a lot more going on around the world. So here's a rundown of three other stories. Canada's province of British Columbia is the first in the country to trial decriminalising small amounts of hard drugs, including cocaine, heroin, methamphetamine, fentanyl and morphine. From today, adults can possess up to 2.5 grams of these drugs. While people with under 2.5 grams of these drugs will not be arrested, charged or have their substances seized, they will be offered information on available health and social services. 
The request for this was approved by the federal government for a three-year trial. The Minister for Mental Health and Addictions in the region, Jennifer Whiteside, said about this change that decriminalising people who use drugs breaks down the fear and shame associated with substance use and ensures they feel safer reaching out for life-saving support. There's more on the way, but be sure to subscribe and ring the bell to make the daily briefing part of your daily routine. Or just search for us on your podcast app to listen along. Israel's National Security Minister Itmar Ben-Gavir has vowed to advance legislation that would authorise the use of the death penalty for certain terror offences after a week of deadly violence. Anyone who murders, harms and slaughters civilians should be sent to the electric chair, Ben-Gavir said at a party meeting. Israel does technically allow for capital punishment, but only in exceptionally rare cases. In fact, in the country's 75-year history, only two people have been executed, one of those being Nazi war criminal Adolf Eichmann. Ben-Gavir's comments came in a time of heightened tension between Israelis and Palestinians. Last week, Israeli forces killed nine Palestinians, including militants and civilians, in a raid at the Jenin refugee camp. Then, at the weekend, seven people were shot and killed by Palestinian gunmen outside a synagogue in a settlement in the occupied West Bank. A day later, a 13-year-old Palestinian boy shot and wounded two people in East Jerusalem. In 1979, China infamously imposed the one-child policy in an attempt to control the population growth that was occurring at the time. This policy appears to have been too effective, as China appears to have had the opposite problem lately. It's been suggested that their population has actually been in decline. As of 2016, China scrapped their one-child policy, but an upper limit still existed. This was three for married couples. This week, though, one region, Sichuan, has allowed their population to have as many children as they want. This includes a new stipulation that unmarried individuals are able to raise children. Prior to this rule change, there was a ban on single women registering a birth. President Xi has said that boosting birth rates is a priority for his regime, with additional tax breaks and better maternal health care also being offered to try and increase the number of births. In the uplifting story today, we discuss a charity and a prime minister. Borut Pahor, who previously served as the Prime Minister of Slovenia between 2008 and 2012 and later served as President of Slovenia between 2012 and 2022, is auctioning his old-timer Renault 4 GTL car, known as Catra, with all proceeds going to the Golden Ribbon Institute, a charity that helps children battling cancer. Pahor was largely a non-controversial figure in Slovenian politics, with his presidential campaigns in 2012 and 2017 focusing on helping people and industries, including working as a baker and a forester, being praised for being a true politician, continuing to work even when all the cameras and media personnel have left. Pahor was also known as the Instagram president during his presidency, posting posts that some may consider unconventional for a president. The auction announcement was shared by Pahor himself on Instagram a couple of days ago, saying that he'll be accepting offers on his personal email address for tomorrow onwards, announcing the highest bids on Instagram as well as his Facebook and Twitter social media profiles. While the car's actual value is estimated at €1,500, the final value is expected to be much higher, with Slovenian media estimating at least €10,000, if not more. 
The auction is due to finish on the 15th of February, on the International Childhood Cancer Day. That's all we have time for on YouTube today, but if you want to see our discussion of the data on Brexit regret, then watch the extended ad-free edition of The Daily Briefing over on Nebula. That's the streaming service we're building with a bunch of our creator friends, many of whom you're likely to be already watching. That means that by signing up, you not only get an extended ad-free daily briefing every single day, you also get to watch exclusive and ad-free videos from the best educational creators on YouTube. That's things like Real Life Law's incredible Modern Conflicts, which breaks down contemporary disputes around the world, Neo's Underexposure, which beautifully dives into complex and shadowy topics you've always wanted to know more about, or Extremities from Wendover Productions, which uncovers some of the world's most remote places. All of these are only available on Nebula, just like our extended daily briefings and a whole bunch of other exclusive TLDR content which never comes to YouTube. If you want to sign up, use the link in the description so that they know you came through us. That helps us out a whole lot, as does watching on Nebula more generally. So thanks for signing up and we'll see you on Nebula.